What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, how you doing, everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor, a little podcast that I started to showcase indie entertainers and creative types from all walks. I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. It's a bit of a weakness. I'm on there all the time. The Twitter handle is at CuttingRoomMRB, or you can like me on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash CuttingRoomMRB. Uh, if you want to be on the show, if you've got something that you want to say, always looking for new stories to tell. Uh, you know, hard to believe I was taking a look at this and I'm creeping up on my 500th episode. I can't believe I've been at this this long, but it's uh, it's always been a lot of fun. And I got another double episode for you today. I'm going to be doing two smaller shows, uh, one of them my full hour, and then another one that's going to be sort of a bonus show that's tacked on to the end. Uh, three separate segments, about eight different guests that are all lined up for, uh, for a total of this, and I met some really cool people over the last couple of weeks, so we're going to have a lot of fun together this weekend. Um, so I'll have to say the reason that you're listening to this now or downloading it later is to uh, listen to my, th- my three interviews that I have lined up today again, and the first actually was supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago, but life got in the way, which is totally cool. Uh, this is a project that I wanted to profile for a while. Uh, Jay Galtmiller actually approached me with a comic book property that uh, that he was working on. And if you know anything about me, anytime you say the word comic books, I'm going to make the word I'm going to make some kind of room for you. Uh, but Jay Galtmiller is here. I, I digress. Uh, and he's from Los Angeles by way of New Jersey. Just to give you some background information on him, uh, he has had background uh, substantially working for. Uh, both the Lifetime and OWN networks, uh, including uh, some additional work that he's done uh, as a production coordinator on a little program that I think a few of you might have heard of called The Judge Judy Show. Uh, and he's also working on a comic book property, which is going to be the focus of today's discussions that, that had me at the title just because this pulp kind of stuff just grabs me and I just run with it. <laughs> you know, sometimes people send you a property that, that you just got to figure out what's there. And and so he tells me that he's working on something called Lesbian Zombies from Outer Space. So there's four words together, five words together that you didn't think that you were going to hear on a Sunday morning. Uh, and here to talk about it is the uh, the head guy in charge himself, uh, Jay Galtmiller. Uh, Jay, how are you? Great, Casey. Thank, thanks for having me. So the, the first question I always have for everybody when they're on here for the first time is a, a bit of an icebreaker. Is, uh, did I get all of your bio information right, or is that close enough for rock and roll, as I like to say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yep. Okay. That, that was about right. All right, that sounds cool when somebody else says it almost, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just got to ask you this. I mean, you know, for, from working with networks like Lifetime and OWN and, and your work on the Judge Judy show to – you know, the lesbian zombies from outer space. I mean, this is one hell of a leap for, for a lot of people, right? <laughs> right. Uh, how, you know, maybe if you could tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you basically decided to, I mean, I know that this is kind of a delicate balancing act for you because you're doing both at the same time, but what made you want to try this? Well, I mean, at least as far as um, the difference between what people pay me for my nine to five job and, and what I kind of try to do and try to create at home. I mean, uh, I think part of lesbian zombies really came after I, uh, I was at own for a little while. So I'd already spent a couple years at lifetime and own and at own some pretty estrogen heavy, uh, workplaces. And, um, you know, in both those places, I was again doing like production coordinator stuff, not, not creative. And, I probably wasn't gonna um, gonna find a home there creatively anyway, so that that was a little frustrating. So I, I'm sure that that had a little to do with like just kind of doing the total opposite with with lesbian zombies, you know? 
Well, no, I mean, I mean, I can imagine that, that you would want to sort of think with a different part of your brain, you know, like a lot of people do, right, when, when they're in a day job and they've just got to go home and just do something else, right? Right, right, right. So how did you how did you, how did how did you zero in on this one as a concept? I, I guess what was right. the genesis behind some well, of this? Well, yeah, but I mean, ultimately, at the, at the time that, that this was going on, and and I will say that initially, um, I was writing writing this as a screenplay. I was I was writing feature screenplays um, ra- rather than a comic book. Um, that's pretty much what I what I went to school school for and everything else. Uh, and I was writing some very attempting to write something a very complicated historical um drama about ancient greece that was like uh had all kinds of moving parts and i was just really frustrated with it and i i wanted to put it to the side and at the same time i'm driving around la and i'm seeing a bunch of billboards um you know which are nothing new but all, all these women fashion model women um advertising jeans or uh perfume or whatever but they're just they're obviously fashion models they're very thin uh predominantly white or you know very pale and also just this this drugged out kind of look that's i mean i guess supposed to suggest um you know kind of, to, to suggest lust but also kind of this uh sex slave kind of thing anyway it's, it's supposed to, to hit home to, to the people driving by and I didn't. So for some reason, that uh, and whatever else was going on, I just kind of connected that to zombies, and I thought um, myself also. I mean, uh, this this whole lesbian male fantasy that we have going kind of conflicts with the reality of what uh, the lesbian community uh, lives every day. And just those kind of ideas, I wanted to to try to throw together into into a story and see what kind of laughs I can get out of it. So I mean, kind of the uh, you know you're conjuring up an image here of of kind of like the you know the pallid, you know, rail thin, brain and neutral model kind of thing that right. re- really isn't that far of a leap when you think about it from the image of some zombies that you see in comic books, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the biggest difference, obviously, is. Um, most zombies are are dead and uh, decomposing and, and therefore disgusting. So, so really, what I wanted to do was, well, remember these lesbian zombies are from outer space. So, um, there there is this space alien that comes down and kind of starts the whole thing. Um, but but the way it works is uh, it's spread through infected women making out with, or I guess as far as going sex, having sex with, with other women, and that spreads the, the zombieism. Um, but their real victims are the men who they uh, kill and eat. Um, but anyway, so, so what they're, they, they become kind of honeypots. They, they don't decompose. They're, they don't become disgusting right away. They're, they actually become this kind of, uh, uh, this, sexual idealized self uh, self you know image of themselves and then they're kind of uh, lesbian action that they go on go uh, going into kind of draws the victims in you know but no I mean this like I was looking at some of the, um, the the work that you had up there I mean this called to mind some of the late 70s or early 80s jiggle fest type things that that uh, that you would have seen on TV right but right, right. Uh, I, I mean was there a nod to that at all I mean you know you mentioned that some of the other notes that you invoked like weird science and invasion of the body snatchers yeah yeah I mean you know I grew up in the 80s so I, def- I definitely have um, the 80s in mind and to me, to me Weird, weird science is a big part of it. I mean, it's like these these kind of nerdy guys look, looking to get laid. Basically, they create their um, their fantasy woman. Uh, obviously, it kind of works out for them. But for uh, for Ace, uh, who's the the main character of the, the lesbian zombie story, um, even though he's not actively trying to to, to resurrect this his own fantasy, um, it definitely takes a, a turn for the worse. And I mean. For me, like, I think Shaun of the Dead, um, they kind of build that as a, a romantic comedy slash zombie movie. To me, Lesbian Zombies is like a teen sex comedy slash zombie movie, you know? Um, 
it's definitely about the um, I mean it, it's a, it's about the fear that the idea of sex kind of you know especially uh, anybody just kind of starting out so so I, I, I guess who were some of the characters that we're gonna meet in this series so Ace Johnson is the main guy he's um, yeah, he's like mid twenties. He's uh, working at this mom and pop video uh, store that's going bankrupt. Basically, he still lives with his parents. Anyway, he's he's kind of a porn aficionado, and he he uh, idolizes this um, <laughs> this this porn uh, superstar from the eighties called Captain Hammer, which I made up. Um, and then, so as this goes on, I mean, he's got a buddy, his best friend Ellis, who. Uh, has a girlfriend. He's doing a little bit better than Ace as far as uh, relationships and life go, I guess. But uh, Ace has agreed to have this three. Tells Ace about it. Not full. And so our other main character is Gwen, who is a lesbian herself. And, uh, you know, I tried uh, lesbians that are coming. And um, so not quite as hot. Although, I don't know, I, I think she's still pretty attractive but but it's funny several people who have, who have read the comic book so far have have said like she's stereotypically uh this image of of uh, an attractive lesbian but anyway she, she to make a connection with with a, a bisexual friend or a bi-curious friend it's not really happening and they they kind of discover that the space queen and she crashes in the woods and she's got to run off anyway so these two very different people ace and gwen end up getting together so it kind of becomes eventually a, a buddy comedy, uh, like a, so and that was the other reason I wanted to do it. I mean, a lot of times in a, in a story like this or, or in any kind of action story, you've got two guys kind of buddied up together. Here we've got the guy and the girl um, who in many stories would end up probably getting together romantically, but we've got this big obstacle between them since Gwen is a lesbian. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, other than that, you've got the zombies, you've got uh, you've got the chief of police of the town, Carnes. Um, you've got Ace's parents, and uh, you need some other people down down the road. But it's mostly about Ace and Gwen trying to get out of the town. Uh... I, I gotta ask you, uh, where are you at with this right now? I, I, I understand that you were on a Kickstarter campaign recently, right? Right. Yeah, this was re the most recent was actually my second Kickstarter. So, so I'll, I'll just back up briefly. Um, like I said, I started this as a screenplay. Uh, it got some interest. Um, it was something I wanted to do, kind of like as a, an indie thing that I could I would I would eventually direct. Um, but still, low budget film is still a hell of a lot of money, at least as far as I'm concerned, and there's no way I was going to get anywhere near it. So I kind of put this on, a back, on the back burner for a little while. But then last summer, um, a friend of mine who's roommates with a guy who's very much uh, in the, the comics um, industry, uh, Tom Pinchuk, anyway, he was like, look, dude, just turn this into a comic book. And he kind of threatened to take my balls if, uh, if I didn't have something in the next six months or something. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I started, um, you know, I, I adapted the script into, into seven comic book uh, scripts. So it's going to be a limited uh, series of, of seven issues. Uh, and then the first Kickstarter was back in last October, I guess, uh, for the first issue. And... You know, this is my first time both trying to produce a comic book and also my first time on Kickstarter trying to, to, to raise money there. So it was, a little, it was, a, it was definitely a, a new experience. Um, I was going for $3,000, and I just kind of got over that hump at, at $3,100. And, you know, a, a lot of those people were just people um, that were friends and family who wanted to help me out. I mean, at least a good third. Without them, I wouldn't have made the goal, you know, and Kickstarter does, you know, it's not like, you have to hit your goal, basically. Uh, if you don't make it, then you, you don't bring anything home. But I learned a lot from that, and uh, so this, this second round, uh, which just ended at the in the end of July here, 
I was going for a little less money, but but to raise money for issue three, because I funded issue two on my own. Oh, you did? Um, okay, good. And uh, anyway, so this time around, more, more people came out. Uh, I for the twenty five hundred dollar goal, I raised forty one hundred. Good for you. A lot of people were. What's that? I said good for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of the people, a lot of the backers were from the first time around, so that was great, and that's what made it easier too. Um, but this time, <laughs> funny to say, no family and friends helped me out in this, which was was great. I mean, I, I actually like that because I, I really just wanted to connect with people who were interested in the story, you know. So, not only did I raise enough for issue three, but also issue four. So, those are those are in the works right now, and um, so yeah, things are going pretty well. As far as that, so one and two are, three and four are being worked on now, and uh, five, six, and seven will will come. I'm I'm hoping to have everything done by, uh, within the next six to eight months. So how how did you go uh, then, Jave, about uh, sourcing a uh, an artist to do this? I mean, uh, I'm gathering that you didn't do all the artwork yourself too, did you? All right, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that was all, all new to me too. Digital webbing was really the the biggest um, my, my biggest help. I don't know. I'm sure you're you're into comics, so you you probably are very familiar with that site. Uh, but it's like a forum site where um, you know you can go on there and, and talk to people about comics and and learn something. But there's a, they also have a big section where you can talk about your projects and say you know this is what I have, and then you kind of audition people through that. So so that's what I did and. Uh, I had a lot of talented people send send things my way, but Wayne A. Brown is who I ultimately decided on as far as um, pencils and inks, and he has been fantastic. Uh, I also found the colors there, Raymond Mons, um, who's a, a younger guy out of the Philippines, but I mean, I love what he's doing with the colors in this. Um, I mean, that's where, I mean, with a horror comedy, you can go totally dark and... Uh, you're going to lose some of that comedy, I think. But but Mons, he, he prefers to go by Mons. Um, he really brings like the brighter, um, more saturated colors, which uh, I think help with the comedy and also kind of call back a little bit to that 80s, uh, 80s style that that I initially had in mind, you know. And you mentioned that one guy was in the Philippines? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's the... the the kind of amazing thing about the this whole internet digital thing. I mean, you can connect with people all over the world. I mean, the, also the artist for issue number one's cover, that artist was from Argentina. Great. Um, okay. And then uh, the colorist on that cover and all the rest is from Spain. Uh, that's Sifa Guerrero. She's been great. Uh, so it's, <laughs> while Wayne is, is from the U.S. and, and I am as well, it's it's... Kind of an international uh, team we got going here. Is Wayne based locally, or like do you have access to him, or is he in another part of the country? He's a, he's in the middle America, basically. <laughs> so yeah, it's not we can't go out and have coffee, but uh, I mean a phone call is fine. But honestly, we, we mostly communicate through email. Um, have you hit the con circuit at all? I haven't. Uh, I was. You know, I, I was I was thinking about what what I'm going to do and how I'm going to get out there. Actually, the, the Long Beach uh, Long Beach got a has a comic book convention coming up uh, the end of this month, I think, uh, which isn't far from me. And I'm definitely going to make an appearance down there, but uh, I don't think I'm going to have a table or anything like that. Um, one, I just have to since this Kickstarter just ended, I I have to get things printed, and I don't know if everything's. Uh, if even the first couple of issues, because I'm doing a reprint on issue one, and this is the first time I'm going to be printing issue number two, so I don't know if I'll have everything ready for then. But uh, the the creative part I, I love, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's the distribution part I'm still kind of wrapping my head around, I guess. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how to go to one of these conventions and. Uh, Make make some actually actual money rather than spend spend a bunch on a table and travel and um, you know have less than what I started with. 
Now, the just in terms of the mechanics, I mean, how how are you actually going about getting these uh, these physical copies put together? Are you tied in with any kind of publishing house, or, or like, are you working with a print organization? I, I guess, uh, you know, what are you doing there? Right, I'm not I'm not with any publisher. Um, as far as the the physical printing, I've used. Uh... <laughs> Hang on a second. Sorry, I apologize. I'm forgetting the name of my printer. Uh, I mean, I, I've got an advertisement in the back of uh, issue one for the printer. <laughs> Greco printing. And they, I mean, there again, they're not local. Um, and it's small, it's small run prints. So, I mean, that, that's the other thing too. The fact that I've done such a small run the issues are coming in at just under three dollars, uh, which you know, you try to sell that, and, and after shipping and handling, it doesn't really leave a whole lot of room for um, for revenue, you know. Right. Um, but they are by far the best I, I found in my initial search, and even a second search. I was looking for something local, uh, and I was getting even even crazier numbers. And the quality is fantastic. Uh, I, I love it, and everybody who's received who received the first issue was really impressed. So. I'm happy about that. So I guess how do you find ways to stay innovative then in, in terms of indie comics? I mean, this is a, a big field, right? That there's a, you know, a lot of different people that are out there. How, how, what are the kinds of things that you're trying to do to, to get noticed for yourself? Well, um, you know, I'm on social media. <laughs> Okay. Lesbians Zombies has, has a Twitter account, and I've gotten some followers th through that way. Uh, I'm on... Uh, Lesbians Zombies is on Comixology, the, uh, the first issue right now, anyway. I mean, how... I, I guess that's a part of the puzzle that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, Casey. So. Okay, all right. No, no, <laughs> no, I mean, we're all fighting the same battles, as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing that, that would separate it, I think, is uh, it's just the, the story itself. I mean, but e even that, the, the thing that makes Lesbian Zombies so different in a way is also kind of um, a bit of an obstacle, too, I guess. Uh, you know, it's for mature audiences. There's a lot of gore, and there's also uh, nudity in there as well, which, you know, in an 80s horror film would just be R-rated whatever. But in a comic book, it's a, it's a little different, and I think people um, react to it a little differently uh, when they see, you know, naked breasts in a, in a comic book a lot of times. Um, so the fact that it is for a mature audience makes it restricted as far as where, where it can show up, you know? Well, I mean, I would argue, too, that it's one of these older arguments that, that uh, you know, if it's in a movie, it's a little bit more obvious and it's easier to control, but there's still a perception out there that comic books are really just for kids. And, and right. you know, it, I mean, the, you know, the rating systems really aren't enforced, that people will actually go out and buy these things and give them to teenagers and, and you know, not really think twice about it because it's just a comic book, right? Right, right, true. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I try to make it very apparent on the, on the front and the back that it's it's for mature audiences. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, it's 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 uh, more like an R-rated uh, teen sex comedy to, for me. Anyway. Uh, now, just out of curiosity, what's the feedback? What's the feedback been like uh, so far? Uh, you know, the feedback has been good as far as the people, especially who are interested in the, in the first place, you know, pe people are loving it. Like I said, I would say at least 40 to 50% of the people who backed me um, the first time around came back for the second time, so that means that they must have been happy. I, I've Googled uh, myself and Living <laughs> Zombies a number of times looking for reviews. Um, I, I've had a number of guys that I talked to... Um, who did reviews, and they were very positive. Uh, I did find one review that uh, pretty much panned it, um, you know, basically saying it was immature, which, you know, to, to a certain extent that might be true. But, uh, but no, overall, uh, it's, it's been pretty positive. I mean, like one of the guys over at um, uh, Comic Bastard said, 
it delivers on what the title promises. Um, okay. You know, I hope that's true, but the, the, the title kind of speaks for itself. Uh, I'm going to take one quick pause here, uh, uh, Jave, and I'm going to see if I can get my next guest in here, if that's okay with you. So I'm going yeah, sure. uh, to um, see if I can get Kristen West in here. And I apologize to Kristen because I know that she was trying to um, get into this call. So, uh, Jave, if I mess this up and we lose connection, then I'm going to call you right back, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right. So we're talking with Jave Galt-Miller, and uh, we're going to see if I can get my guest, Kristen Weston. All right. All right. Hello, Kristen. Yes, it's me and Armin Nasseri on this line. How are you hey, doing? Hey, hey, how are you doing, Armin? And uh, Kristen. Okay, so I'm just going to see if I can get, uh, if I lose the connection, I've, I've got a bit of an issue here. I can't seem to get both of you patched in at once. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold just for one second, and I'm going to let Jave go, and then we'll uh, we'll be back to talk with you in a minute, okay? Wonderful, awesome. All right, so, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's see if I can toggle this over here. Perils of Live Radio, when you're Canadian and you have no now Vita Gafari and Ali Bavarian might also be trying to call in is that going to be an issue I will try my best to get them in and if not then I promise you that oh they're okay yeah for some reason it's not letting me add people to groups today so um okay let's see how we can do this okay I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to um I'm going to hang up on all of you and I'm going to sure. I'm going to drop uh, Jave first, Jave Galt-Miller, who was my first guest, and we'll see if we can figure out a way to make this work. So let's see if we can do some emergency surgery on the cutting room floor. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. This is really interesting. I've got three people trying to call me at once. It's nice to be so popular. Uh, okay, uh, okay, all right, let's see what we got here. Okay, Ali, how are you? Uh, hi, Casey. Uh, hi, yeah, okay, I've got a bit of an issue here. I'm trying to figure out a way to patch all you guys together, so what I'm going to try to do is, uh, um, I'm going to dismiss my first guest, and we'll try to figure out a way to, to link all you guys up, all right? So, uh, okay. so hang tight, and, and I'll be right with you, okay? Will do. All right. All right, let's see what we got here. All right, so at least I'm going to afford my first guest, Jave Galt-Miller, the opportunity to sign off appropriately. And... And I lost them. Okay, so with that, I, okay, I um, I'm going to extend my apologies to Jave Galt Miller. Uh, we seem to be having some issues with the Skype connections today, but I was talking with Jave Galt Miller about his project, Lesbian Zombies from Outer Space, and you can uh, find this uh, online. You can just look him up. Uh, I can't imagine that this is going to be a terribly hard title to find once you Google it. Uh, but uh, again, really interesting guy, and and uh, he's got some really great comics out there. So what I'm going to try to do is to go back here. And I'm going to hang up on Okay. Uh, Ali. Very. Okay. Okay, let me just see here. And I lost Kristen. Okay, so let me just see if I can try this again. Oh, I got... Hello? Hello. Okay, alright, so let me just see if I can get Vita here. I think that she's trying to dial in as well. Okay. And... That didn't work. Okay, but have I still got you guys? Wonderful. Okay, all right. Let's see if I can get Ollie on the call. Okay, Ollie, are you there? 
Yes. Hallelujah. Okay, I got two of you. Let me just see if I can push my luck and get Vita in here as well. Okay, Vita seems to be the issue. So, no. Okay, so I've got the two of you. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a bit of a break right now. Uh, this is sort of my mid-show break here. What we're going to do is we're going to play the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up by Jason Hadley and uh, a song by Stephen O'Brien out of uh, out of Ireland, actually called 90 Cents Pop Experiment. Uh, if you, so if you go, okay, I'm going to see if I can push my luck and get Vita on the call. No, she seems to be having an issue. Okay. All right. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys to please mute up just for five minutes, and then we'll be back to talk with you uh, after my break here. All right? All right. Okay. Sure. Uh, thank you very much. It's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up with your host, Jason Hadley. Donald Trump showed up to a British golf tournament wearing a hat that said, Make America Great Again. The Brits reacted by suggesting we give it back. Over dwindling ratings, TLC was forced to cancel the fifth season of their reality show, Gypsy Sisters. For those unfamiliar with the show, Gypsy Sisters follows the lives of romantical gypsy women living in West Virginia. Let's just say they make Jersey Shore look like Downton Abbey. Flashdance star Jennifer Beals was reported to PETA.org for leaving her dog in a car on a hot day with the windows only slightly cracked. Unfortunately, in other parts of the world, reporting that Beals is cooking her dog in the car would actually fall under Grubhub's jurisdiction. Director of the crime drama Law & Order, Jace Alexander, was recently arrested for possession and distribution of child pornography. While the judge will very likely throw the book at him, Alexander's crossing his fingers for anything by Dr. Seuss or Shel Silverstein. And that's the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Wrap Up. All right, we're going to try to get Vita back on here before we uh, play the track. So let's just see if we can try that. Yeah, we seem to be having an issue. All right, so uh, Vita, if you're listening to this, please try to please try to dial in again. I've got her on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to get all of you guys on if I can do it, but uh, like I said, Skype doesn't seem to be cooperating with me there. So we'll just see if we can get her on right now, and then I'll. Okay, all right. Oh, it's not letting me patch her in for some reason. Okay, uh, Vita, what can I tell you? I, I very much apologize. We, we seem to be having a connectivity issue here, but I do have uh, uh, Armin Nasseri and uh, uh, Kristen West and Ali Bavarian on uh, the show. So we're going to play a track by uh, Stephen O'Brien, and we're going to try to... No, it's not letting her, not letting her in. Okay. So we're going to play this track by Stephen O'Brien, and then we'll be right back.
And from Ireland, that was Stephen O'Brien with the uh, 1980s synth pop experiment. Uh, you know, for those of you who are listening to that, if you're an inner uh, teenager unlocked there and you thought of some video games that you might have played when you were a kid, that's pretty much why I played that. So, <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, we're having some issues with the phones, but I'm going to try this again to see if we can get Vita. No, it's not cooperating. And I, um... Okay, we're just going to run with this. What can I tell you? So my apologies to uh, Vita Kafari, uh, who's one of the uh, the lead actors in the film that we're going to be discussing in the uh, in the next little piece here. Vita, I, I promise you, if you want to come back on the show, I'm going to figure out a way to, work, a way to make this right. Um, I can have you back on as early as next week if you want, and, and we'll uh, we'll do a little bonus segment on to make sure that you get the ice time that you deserve. All right. So um, I also wanted to uh, give a quick thank you to uh, to Matt Chasson, who contacted me out of the blue as a publicist. Um, never really spoken to the guy before. I get a message on Facebook from him and says he's got a bunch of clients that are interested in making some appearances on some radio shows. I said, sure. Send him my availability, and he filled up my whole month, believe it or not. I couldn't believe it. So, uh, all right, we're going to keep trying here. Not letting me do it. Uh, so with me, uh, so again, thank you very much to Matt Chasson. Uh, pretty much every weekend this month in um, in August here, we're going to be having one of uh, his people on. Uh, so this is a, a partnership that I'm actually looking forward to exploring a little bit more. And the first in the series is the, um, I've got three people on the phone here from <clears throat> a short film called Seeking Valentina. And this is going to be the, the discussion of our, uh, uh, for our interview in the next 20 minutes. Uh, the first person I'm going to introduce you to is the uh, director of the film, Armin Nasseri, who is a prolific Parisian-American uh, director and actor, uh, whose uh, film Miracle Mile Girls was screened at Cannes, because I've done my homework, uh, and he's joined uh, by two of the people, actually should have been three, we were trying to get Vita Garfari on the phone, but uh, with him on the line is... Uh, I'm proud to say Kristen West uh, and the lead actor in the film, uh, Ali Bavarian. So uh, without further ado, the Cunningham Floor proudly welcomes the crew of Seeking Valentina. How are you doing, guys? Hey, Casey. Thank you for having us on your program. So uh, the first question I always have for everybody, and again, my, please extend my apologies to Vita, okay? So I, I, uh, it's just one of those things that couldn't be helped. Um, but uh, did I get all of your bio information right, particularly Armin? I, I, uh, I said the most about you. Was that uh, close enough for rock and roll, or uh, what did you think of that? Close enough to rock and roll. I mean, I, I definitely helped uh, uh, produce uh, Miracle Mile Girls back four years ago. And then, um, so yeah, it's, it's rock, rock and roll. <laughs> Okay, great, great. So I, I thank all three of you for, for actually taking time out of your schedule today for this. Um, so I'll throw the, uh, just sort of an open question here. What exactly is Seeking Valentina about? So uh, Seeking Valentina is about this, um, this Iranian-American writer played by Ali Bavarian. He, um, it's like the winter break, and he decides to uh, turn his office into a bedroom, and he rents it out to uh, a mysterious woman played by Kristen West. And then the next day... Yeah, she disappears. So within 24 hours, he um, Benjamin uh, goes out to to search for her, and he can't figure out either if this woman disappeared without a trace or if he's seeing the ghost of his uh, wife. And uh, I guess where did this idea come from, Ali Armin? Was was this a a project that you actually developed yourself, or had had written yourself, or or was this something that was brought to you? Uh, it was a project that I've written myself. Um, it's, it's part of it's based on my father who who's a landlord and and then I had I had his idea in development about a, 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 a widow a widower and his son living in a, in a remote area and then I just started to write from a development to a treatment to a treatment to a screenplay and, and then Siki Valentino was born now uh, I'll throw the question open to uh, to Ali and, and to Kristen. Uh, I, I guess how were you brought on board for this? Did you go through a formal audition process, or, or was it a question of uh, Ar Armin having worked with you guys before? I, uh, I, maybe if you could tell us a little bit more about that part of it. Armin and I um, actually have known each other for several years. Um, we actually went to the same acting school, and so I've known Armin for a long time and watched his his vision and his career expand for a number of years and um, I'm also the producer um, 
of the film. Oh, so Armin okay. showed me a draft of the script about a year ago. And I gave him a few notes. And then when we got closer to a final draft, we went into pre-production. And, and um, at some point during that process, Armin offered me the role of Valentina. Um, I think after he was confident, I understood what he was going for. <laughs> and it's, it's been a, a joy to work on ever since. Well, it's nice that you're reunited with somebody that you're, you're used to working with, too, right? That, uh, that, you, that you do have that, that history together that, that I, I imagine uh, lends itself well to something like this. Yes, it does, because Armin and I, we, we know each other's strengths, and we can play to each other's strengths really well. And we've just had such a good dynamic over the years that it's always, you know, very easy to work with someone that you you know and that you trust and it's easy i think to get stretch out of your comfort zone in terms of acting when you you have someone that really understands you um and i think that's one of the one of the great things is that me and armin were able to have that history to kind of build on in this film yeah i, I wrote the role with uh with kristen in mind she was also an inspiration to the story because in the story, um, the female lead has this enthusiasm for rocks. She's, she's a rock collector, and that's uh, part of uh, Kristen's personality, and I was able to take that, that element and incorporate it into the story. And, uh, Ali, how about yourself? I mean, you've really basically got the, uh, the lead in this, right, from what I understand? Uh, yes, I, uh, I did play the lead um, character, Benjamin. And in terms of how I uh, came on this film, I went through, like you mentioned earlier, I went through the traditional uh, process of, of auditioning um, for it. And, um, and uh, you know, pretty thankful that uh, I did go through that process and actually land the role and then get an opportunity to work with uh, Armin, Kristen, and um, the whole rest of the cast and crew. Now, uh, Kristen, you, you mentioned that uh, you, you touched on something kind of important, and I'll throw this open to, to you and Allie. Uh, just from an acting perspective, you, you said that it's nice to be able to step out of your comfort zone. Um, is this because this was your first foray into something that, um, this is being billed as is sort of a horror piece, but I, I, it sounds to me like there's more suspense elements to it, right? Uh, or, I guess, where would you say it falls? It's, it's... Like, um, I would say this is more of a Lynchian-esque psychological thriller. It has a very strong discomfort when you watch it because you don't quite know where it's going at times. And it really stretches you to think, did I just see what I thought I saw? I call it an ink blot test. And one of the challenges in playing the role for me was to deal with all of the contradictions that Armin very masterfully wrote into the character of Valentina and the contradictions in her relationship with Benjamin. And so that was a challenge for me that Armin helped me navigate through and that Ollie was really good also at, at sort of supporting this, this, this very Lynchian-esque ambiguity that comes into play in this film a great deal. And I would, I've, you know, I've done horror films, slasher films in the in the past. I was in Circus of the Dead, and I was in Hell's Kitty, and I'm 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 used to those kinds of films and 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 the traditional horror elements. And it was really fun and unique and challenging and very very exciting to work on something where where the horror was kind of being created in your own mind, that you as an audience member were also kind of co-creating the narrative as the narrative was in front of you on the screen. It was very interesting to work with that. And, and Allie, how about yourself? I mean, what's your own take on that? Uh, had you worked in, in this kind of material before, or was this a first for you? I, I guess where was your own comfort level here? Uh, this definitely, it, it was a first. Um... Uh, first, in, in in terms of the genre, in terms of uh, playing a, a lead in a short film, um, but in in terms of uh, comfort, um, even though it, it was a first on a couple different counts, um, I mean, again, working with with Armin, Kristen, and and rest the rest of the cast and crew, 
just provided an environment so that um, it, I didn't in any way, shape or form feel confused at any point in time or uh, out of my element or I mean, just felt very, very comfortable. And I'm sure as, as you know, and as pretty much, I think most film, as all films um, are, are done, I mean, nothing is ever shot or most films, they don't shoot the, all the scenes in, in uh, the um, exact sequence of, of uh, you know, there's, you, you, you hop and skip to, from the, you shoot scenes from the end of the movie, beginning of the movie, all, you know, um, at different times, excuse me, at different times. And, um, and with, with the help of just working with, with a, a great uh, cast, including, you know, working with Kristen and then having um, great support and direction by uh, Armin, uh, things just ended up flowing really well um, just for, for myself and I think the, the rest of the cast and crew as well. Now, uh, Armin, I, I got to ask you, where exactly is the film right now? I mean, has it been released or, or is it about to be released? Uh, I, I guess, where does it stand in terms of the actual production process? Well, the movie is already completed and right now it's in the film festival circuit. We've already been... Um selected to screen our film at the Fantastic Horror Film Festival in uh, San Diego, California, which will start in October. And then in September, we also have been selected in, in the, um, excuse, excuse me, the National Film uh, Festival in Monrovia, California. And oh, then really? we have okay. other right. couple of film festivals that have been shortlisted. Now, now, I got to ask you this as well. Like, I, I noticed that the, um, according to the IMDb page that you have up there, the runtime on this is only about 20 minutes. Is that right? Yes. Um, it seems to me that there's a lot of, a lot of meat in, in a story like this. Um, why did you select to, to go the short film route as opposed to, say, a feature? Um, well, you know, it's because I haven't, uh, this is the first time I, I directed a story in, in six years. And I wanted to just kind of get my feet wet with the, with the short film because I have a, uh, other stories in development that are um, soon to be a feature-length story, but uh, it was it wasn't um, it wasn't quite ready. And then Sika Valentina, the idea just came to me really fast, and I felt like then this this could definitely really do justice as a short film. So I put my, all my energy into making it a short film. Have you actually thought about maybe you know going back to the well at some point and maybe turning this into a feature, or do you think that it really you know the material that you've covered lends itself well to that twenty minutes? I feel the material that I've created definitely does justice in in twenty minutes, but and and it has uh, potential to uh, to be created into a spinoff because it's set in in this fictional town called Red Red River Valley, and um, and besides besides Benjamin's story. You see that there's something. It's not just something wrong with uh, Valentina, but there's just something wrong in that town, and everything around it. The the the, the people, the environment, the mood uh, raises questions, and I wanted to uh, make also make the town a character of its own. So, in the true spirit of David Lynch, you've got kind of a you know sort of a Twin Peaks feel going here. A, a Twin a Twin Peaks uh, feel. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Yeah. So, yes, so, that's correct. Uh, okay, and um, yeah, we're just going to do a little quick uh, adding here. Um, now, uh, uh, Armin, I, I know that actually you've done a lot of acting work yourself, right? Uh, yes. Have you actually appeared in this film specifically as a little bit of walkthrough, or uh, is this something that you did pretty much stay behind the camera 100% of the time? Yeah, you'll, you'll see if you... There is definitely a guy who looks like me. He, uh, his the guy who looks like his, you? Uh, his name is Jay. Okay, that's the most ambiguous statement I've had on here in about a month. <laughs> so, so you, you do a walkthrough, dude? The film, the film uh, will give you some uh, Come on, I'm, I'm kidding, man. Come on. I, yeah. Armin is a fine actor. If you've never... I've, I've acted in scenes with Armin before. Armin is not... Armin and I are not on screen together in this film. But he is on screen with Vita Gafari, and and his moments with Vita Gafari are very compelling, and I can't wait for people to see that side of Armin because um, Armin and I are usually a comedy duo, and it's interesting to see Armin um, doing a dramatic scene, dramatic role, 
in his own film. And I think I think people will be very surprised with 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 that performance because Armin's the funny guy and and I think it's going to be cool to see. No, I mean I, I would say it's, it's the first it's definitely the first drama film of my own film. I mean I did play some dramatic roles in the past, but a lot of those films unfortunately were never like released or nor be seen in, in the live day. Uh, I just wanted to uh, maybe we could get in a, uh, a a good solid plug here for uh, for your friend and colleague here uh, Vita Grafari, who's been in the my chat room here and is the the best sport uh, th this week. She's going to be on the show next week, by the way. Um, what was it like to work with her? And, and maybe if you could elaborate a little bit more on on what she's done with us. Um, Vita Grafari definitely brought gender balance to the story because uh, in the film we have. Uh, we have two uh, Iranians, uh, two Iranian Americans, and then we have another uh, actor who is actually my cousin. His name, his name is Melly Gibson, who plays uh, the son of Benjamin. He's he's half Caucasian, half Iranian, and we have the we have that we had the male side locked down. And when Vito came in, it brought gender balance of both Iranian Americans of male and female. And Vito has a very strong personality. Uh, she's very bold, and with, she brought a lot of dynamics to the story and and definitely brought um, more of the backstory of like of Benjamin's family like out, out, outside of his uh, zone okay and, and I know that that was something that was really important to you guys in terms of um, you know ethnicity backgrounds and, and and you know gender equality I mean it, it sounds like you've covered a lot of material there in 20 minutes too right that that this was something that that you wanted to get the right mix of people together right? Absolutely. We wanted to not only, you know, you make a film because you love to make a film and you feel as strongly about the story. And we also felt strongly people have been talking about gender violence in Hollywood and they've been talking about representation of minorities a lot. It's become a hot button issue um, in in discussing the future of movies. And we felt very strongly that having a gender balanced cast and crew and having a diverse cast. We also have um, Indian actor Srinivasa Kapavarapu from Outsourced in our film. Um, we felt that showing different faces would add to the richness of the fictional world that we were creating. And that was part of it as well. Besides the fact they're fabulous actors, Vita has been on Mind of Mencia. Um, she was on the Mindy Project. She has a tremendous resume. And um, we really wanted to show her her skills off and, and what she could do. And, and also known for her comedy and known in the horror world. And we wanted to kind of show more of her range because she has a tremendous range as an actress. And I, I think what we got was a, a lovely group of people who really um, were able to give this, this world that was created depth and substance and, and really push you to think out of the box in terms of what what genre film is, what casting what casting choices you make, and that's something that we're we're very excited um, about going forward into our film uh, festival process. And Vita was one of the um, faces that I really wanted to to do justice because a lot of um, Persian women have always just been casted in, in films where they have to wear a hijab and and one of the biggest uh and one of the biggest reasons why i wanted to make seeking valentina uh whether if it was uh, a short or not was to show that there are iranians who lived in america for over 30 years that they are just as american as as any is the average guy walking or woman walking down the street and if and she and she's portrayed as just an everyday woman um nothing covered just a regular just regular clothes just living an everyday life and 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 just diversity besides gender balance diversity was also really important in the story because we have uh actors and actresses who are uh, like hindu muslim jewish and catholic uh religion and and they're and all in one in one universe one screen just as everyday uh, americans 
Uh, I'm going to take a quick pause here, guys, because I, I know that we uh, have my last guest of the day, Ian Pugh, is on the line. Ian, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah, so uh, I noticed that you have your camera on, buddy, but uh, if you could please just shut that off because we're only going to work with the audio today, all right? So, sure. All right, great. Uh, and, uh, okay, I'll, I'll take a, a quick pause here for uh, Ali and Armin and Kristen. I'll, I'll just introduce you to uh, my last guest of the day, uh, uh, Ian Pugh, who's a, a videographer and uh, sort of a, a paradocumentary filmmaker, if you will, uh, who's going to be joining us from California. Uh, Ian, I just want to let you know that you're on the line here with uh, director Armin Nasseri and um, actress Kristen West and Ali Bavarian, who were working on a, um, a suspense project called Seeking Valentina. Hello. Hi, great to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, you too. So, uh, guys, just as a way of wrapping up here, uh, to, to Armin and, and Kristen and Ali, where can people go to learn more about your work or, or keep track of, uh, of the screenings that are coming up for Seeking Valentina or your own personal projects? Uh, I just want to make sure that everybody gets a good, in a good solid plug for their own uh, web feeds and, and Twitter accounts and all that other great stuff. Uh, awesome. So, Kristen, um, we'll start with you. Um, we have the at Seek Valentina Twitter um, account. So we are very active on Twitter. Um, we also have Seeking Valentina, the Facebook page, and www.seekingvalentina.com. On the web page, um, we actually will have a calendar uh, with the screenings that are available. Uh, we're, we're so new to our official selections, we don't have screening dates yet, so we're waiting for that. But check our Facebook, check our Twitter, check our, our um, website, and we'll have those screening dates up for sure. And if anybody who uh, checks the website, uh, or you can also go on YouTube, our uh, trailer is uh, on YouTube. You can check it out through our web website or through like Facebook. Okay, and uh, Ali, how about yourself? Um, I My information, I mean, it's available on the uh, IMDb or Internet Movie Database website under my, my name, Ali Bavarian. Um, and that's, you know, the place to go to, to see what, what other projects I'm a part of. But I definitely um, urge um, listeners to go to, you know, visit all the different spots that, that Kristen and Armin just went through. And uh, I, I mean, I, one last thing. I, I know that you have a website for your own production company. Do you want to get in a quick plug for that too? Um, right now, I have a, a Twitter account of uh, Polar Unreal Productions. Okay. But right now, go. it's still like it's still in development right now. So for anybody who wants to uh, who wants to you know follow my work, just as a start, just check uh, the, the Seeking Valentina website. Okay. And then more information will follow. All right. Okay, great. So what can I tell you guys? It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and again, uh, we're going to have Vita uh, Gaffari on here uh, next week. Uh, I'm in the process of setting that up as, as I'm talking to you here. But uh, again, to uh, to Kristen West uh, uh, and Armin Nasseri and Ali Bavarian, I just want to thank all three of you. And, and again, please extend my uh, my thanks to Matt Chasen. Or Chas Is it Chasen or Chasen? Chasen. Chasen, eh? Okay. So to, to Matt Chasen. So... We certainly will. Thank you so much, Casey, for having us on and and the insightful discussion of Seeking Valentina. And we, we look forward to to updating you and, and hope that we get a chance to show you the film soon. I, I'd love to see it. And if you guys ever want to come back after I have seen it, then I, I you know that would be a fun discussion to have, too. And then uh, you know, we can do a roundtable about you know a sort of a shot-for-shot shot look at the thing. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much, Casey, for uh, having us on your show. Okay, we'll great. Look forward to it. So, um, Ian, are you still there? Yep, still here. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick uh, cut here, uh, and I'm gonna do a, a separate mini episode with you. And uh, while with that, I'll say uh, good afternoon here to Kristen and Ali and Armin, uh, and then we'll be back to talk with you in about two minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And Trish is also going to join us, if that's still cool. Okay, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's okay. gonna be one of my questions to you. So we'll talk about that after I toggle off for a second. All right. Okay. All right. So, on behalf of my guests today, we've been talking with uh, Jave Galt Miller and uh, Armin Nasseri and uh, Kristen West and Ali Bavarian. Again, with a quick thank you to Matt Chasen. So, in uh, all that, plus we had music by Steve, uh, by uh, Stephen O'Brien and the Hollywood Rock and Wrap Up with Jason Hadley. Uh, I'm be back in a couple of minutes with my uh, second show of the day. Uh, and on uh, behalf of all my guests today, Melissa Casey Ryan on the cutting room floor, cut, print, wrap, and I am done. That was another edition 
of The Cutting Room Floor with your host, Casey Ryan. Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting Room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Floor. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.